The Las Vegas Raiders have partnered with the global lifestyle app TrueConnect to give the gift of wellness. Transform your mind, body, and soul through thousands of hours of premium fitness content, guided meditations, progress tracking, and more. Visit tcfree.fit to redeem one free year of TrueConnect exclusively for Raider Nation. Welcome into Raiders Roundtable, presented by America First Credit Union. I'm JT, along with Q Myers, Lincoln Kennedy. Coming up here, really appreciate the Raider Nation for downloading us, sharing us, and being a part of this podcast, audio, and on YouTube TV. And we got a big one coming off the Jacksonville loss, and we'll preview the upcoming game this Sunday as the Raiders return home at Allegiant Stadium to take on the Indianapolis Colts. And there's a lot on the bone with that one, Q, yeah. with what's happening Man. with Indianapolis. We'll get to that here in a little bit. But another disappointing loss for the Silver and Black, 27-20 to after a 17-point lead. It's amazing the national media has been talking about the 17-point leads. Right. There's been two. The Arizona game was a 20 point lead here and again it's a tale of two halves it really is and that's something that the Raiders got to figure out they got to figure out how they can be consistent for four quarters that's what the name of the game is you know in the NFL it's about runs and teams will go on runs and they'll have a good quarter they'll have a bad quarter but they'll always continue to fight 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 that's why you see so many games go down to the wire in the NFL so the Raiders just got to figure out how to put together four consistent quarters yeah this can't happen they can't be in a scenario where they can play that well in the first half and be dominant right and explode and then something happens in the second half of the game and let me tell you we listen and hear everything that the fans say and believe me some of it's been really loud this year and very intense and we appreciate that and the feedback but what's happening now with fans are confused the media who doesn't follow the Raiders closely are confused on how this could happen with a team that has so much talent right. with a really aggressive play caller who's won six Super Bowls. And Q, I'm trying to figure it out like everybody else, and I, I just think it's a lack of execution. It's not yeah. because it's not a lack, lack of effort. No, it's no, not no, a la- no. lack of effort. What's no. happening is something changes, and you tip your cap to the opponent. Jacksonville played fantastic in the second half. Defensive pass rush plus Trevor Lawrence and Etienne woke up. But I thought the problem for the Raiders is once again they took their foot off the gas, and they can't do that. Yeah, that's what it felt like. It felt like they got that lead, and and they just you know wanted to kind of take the air out of the game in the second half instead of continuing to be aggressive and I even think Devontae Adams kind of alluded to that in the locker room following the game and just knowing the disappointment because like if there's nothing else these players want to win more than anyone I, I continue to tell anyone who will listen if there's anyone who wants to win all of these games it's those guys in that locker room I mean they go through the blood sweat and tears of the brutal training camp and preseason to get to this point there's nothing more than they want to do than win the games but yeah sometimes when they just don't go out with that aggressiveness in the second half have or even start the game with the aggressiveness they get behind and then have to try to claw their way back it's just again like Josh McDaniel said following the game it's a tale of two halves yeah it is and what Derek Carl look at the stat again in the first half he was 16 at 21 223 two touchdowns 141.6 passer rating in the second half six of 16 33 yards total yeah. the passer rating plummeted to 45.8 and again I don't think it's lack of effort no and I don't think it's lack of communication they practice well well, they bring it, they break down film. What I think it comes down to is in the third and fourth quarter of these games where they're losing and losing dramatically, the right. routes aren't precise. The offensive line isn't blocking the way they did early, and Derek's a little bit off. The passes right. are off. Instead of it being right here, yeah. it's up here. It's and, a little high. Tip yeah. balls, and I, I think a lot of the plays are very aggressive to the sideline, Q, where yeah. 
there's no margin for error. You have no. to catch the ball high and toe tap. Right. And I don't see the easy routes being run and easy plays to players who can make the tough plays, but I think they need a couple of easier balls and easier plays to run. I agree. I agree. I think that they need to go back to the bread and butter and whatever works, wherever they can kind of get into that rhythm. And you saw them get into that rhythm against Jacksonville early in the game, getting Devontae involved. I mean, sometimes it's just like an NBA. I say it all the time. If the ball goes through the hoops a couple times, then all of a sudden that guy is in a rhythm. Sometimes they just need to see the ball go through the hoops. Sometimes they just need to see and, and touch the ball and get into that, that little lather. And they did that early in the game. In the second half, you know, a lot of the problems as well as it was the down and distance, yeah. right? Second and long, third and long. Then all of a sudden the defense knows they can pin their ears back and they can get after you. And that's why I understand what Josh McDaniels was trying to do when they, they tried to establish the run in the second half because as he mentioned on Monday in the media session, like you can't, you know, it's not ideal to drop back 62, 63, 64 times because that's 64 opportunities for a defense to make a play, right? So you can't always do that. But at the same time, you got to find that middle even and being aggressive and also trying to get balanced. Well, that's the problem with this Jacksonville loss is what happened was you could throw it on them all day. Yeah. In the first half of that game, they were destroying Jacksonville. A couple of wide-open touchdowns, the second one to Devontae. And they got away with it with Josh Jacobs, who had those three games that we've talked yeah. about on Raiders Roundtable that were like a Marcus Allen three-game running streak here. But when they were feeding him on first and even second down and taking it up to third and long, I just thought that the plays on third down were super aggressive into coverage. Right. Instead of moving the pocket and having some short third downs to Hunter Renfro, and, and let's get this out of the way. Darren Waller not being available is really hurting it's the big. team. It's big. No yeah. criticism of Darren with his injury. If the right. trainers and the doctors and the coaches come together and he can't go, I'm fine with that. Right. This is a thoroughbred athlete. But the point is, when he's not out there, mm -hmm. it takes 11 defenders down to two that don't have to guard him right. and guard him really close. And I think it changes the game. Where where would this team be with Darren Waller in the in the last two losses in New Orleans and especially Jacksonville if he was available in the second half on third down? Forget about first down. Right. Forget about second down. I'm just talking third down. Derek's looking at Devontae. Devontae's covered, and, and Renfro's covered in the slot, and Darren is wide open over the middle of the field. Exactly. When this offense was designed, it was designed with the three-headed monster. Yes. What I mean by that, I'm talking about Devontae, Darren, and Hunter Renfro, and oh, by the way, then Josh Jacobs as well. And so that just opened up the whole game, and it just hasn't been able to be that consistently this year because Darren's been out with the injury. And like you said, no no discredit to him. I mean, if he's injured, he's injured. I mean, that's, that's just what it is. But, I mean, it's just it's a major and massive loss to this Raiders offense, and it just throws them off, you know, and it just throws them off of what they're trying to do and what they're trying to get established. And, yeah, I agree, you know, on, on some of those third down plays, sometimes you got to roll the pocket, you got to make the easier pass and just pick up the first down and keep the chains moving. And there's opportunities sometimes, and, you know, there was a pass to, to Devontae Adams in the second half that was a short little pass that he could have probably picked up 10 to 12 yards. Little behind him, he puts mm -hmm. it on the ground. I mean, you know, it's just, it's just things are off just a little You're bit. You're talking about execution. Yes. That's yes. the word around this building. Yes. Where everybody is amazed that the execution isn't perfect. Well, why isn't the execution perfect? Number one, the opponent. There's the another opponent team that has something to say about that. Team out there, and then, <laughs> right. and then it's a new system, right. which I think is fair, but they had a lot of time. Remember, they chose not to play in the preseason. 
That was their decision right, right. not to run these routes in the preseason with the starters. Right. They come in, and they're not clicking precisely, and that's something that's going to take some time. But let's dip the podcast in reality and talk about a couple of big things. Everybody's questioning everyone now. The, the right. media, the outside noise is as heavy as I've ever seen it in Vegas. Mm-hmm. It was like this in Oakland and L.A. back in the day, but Vegas is not used to this, right. where the new market is and the new fan base is. And I remember last year the Philadelphia game. Philadelphia came in, the Raiders scored 31 unanswered, and the Eagles dropped to 2-5. and five. Right, and that was going into the bye week yes, for the Raiders. Yes, and we both yep. do national shows. And yep. I can tell you this, the Eagle fans wanted nothing to do with Jalen Hurts. They wanted him out yep. after 2-5. and five. Yep. And Nick Sirianni, everybody said, get him out yep. in one year. Who is this guy? Who is this guy, right. Nick Sirianni? He yeah. didn't have six Super Bowls like Josh McDaniels. Right. They stuck with the plan. Yep. Now, they went out and got better players, and they're the only undefeated team in the NFL. But, you know, when you look back at teams that are really struggling, mm-hmm. the, pro- the difference, Q, for me is back then the Eagles weren't – when they were 2-5, and five, they weren't blowing 17-point leads. Right. When you look at the Raiders and what's happened with these final stats and you see a complete drop-off of a cliff in some of these games, right. that makes the noise much louder. Absolutely. You know, and then you, you start to see stats of how many times they've blown 17-point leads in the history of the team, and then you see how many times it's happened this year and so of course it makes the fan base and it makes the national media that much louder and it's just something that they've got to figure out how to stop the bleeding is what I like to call it because there there is bleeding in those type games I mean it's just it's internal bleeding it's 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 outer, external bleeding whatever the case may be it's just not good football that they're playing right now when they have those leads and they're trying to hold on to them and they're not doing the job that they have to do and so they've got to figure out again going back to the execution word they've got to figure out how to execute better later on in the game so those don't happen and so those end up 17 point leads end up to be 17 point wins yeah no one wants to spin a loss we're not going to do it here these have been some devastating losses but it's not like the Raiders are losing 31 to 7 43 to 14 you throw out the New Orleans game which was just Really uncharacteristic. That was a bad day to have a bad day. That was a bad day to have a bad day. But the other games, they've either had the lead in the fourth quarter or had the ball with an opportunity to win. In the three 17-plus ahead losses, you know, throw out the Kansas City game because you could be up 21 on Kansas City and still lose to them. But the way they lost to Arizona and Jacksonville is so unacceptable, and that would have the Raiders at 4-4. and Right. And if we were sitting here at 4-4 – and there wouldn't be a peep out of anybody. No, the because four and four, be yeah. especially in this AFC now, but that isn't the case. And as Josh McDaniels often says, you earn it. Right. And they haven't earned it. And the games where they lost with those big leads, it magnifies everything from communication, from the coach to the quarterback, the quarterback to the offensive line, the defense. And let's hit on the defense coming in here again. This has got to get cleaned up. Yeah. I mean, the middle of the field has been open the entire year. All year. All year long, the middle yeah. of the field has been open. And I think Patrick Graham has got to be really frustrated at this point in time because whoever he's putting in there, mm-hmm. I think it's time for a change. I think he's got to take a look at some other personnel from time to time on different packages, especially third down, and say, if you can't get the job done, right. if you can't get to the quarterback, if you can't cover over the middle of the field, we're going to go with someone else. we got to go with someone else. The question is, do they have that someone else that can get it done? Right. Or, you know, they can get a guy out there and, and try and say, okay, uh, we think that this guy, he's been doing it and earning it in practice, so we're going to give him the opportunity in the game. But, you know, I always say that the, when they use the next guy up mentality, it's like, yeah, if the next guy was as good as the, the first guy, he'd be the first guy yep. instead of the next guy. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those it's something that I'm sure Patrick Graham is is trying to figure out exactly how to clean it up. It is something that needs to be cleaned up. Uh, I just I just don't know exactly how to you know put your finger on exactly what to do in this situation, right? And and you know people say, well, simplify the defense. And if you simplify the defense, you have to be great at it because then opposing teams know, okay, they're running this simple system. 
and we know how to beat that. So if you're going to simplify things, you better be great at what you do to, great to make that work. Excellent point. Coming up next, Lincoln Kennedy, former Pro Bowler analyst on the radio, will join us. We'll talk to Lincoln about everything that's happening and look ahead to this very interesting Indianapolis Colts team that's coming in with a new interim head coach as we continue on Raiders Roundtable. When you're a part of a team, there are expectations. And one of the things I expect from my team is trust. I work hard to win, and I trust my team to work hard too. That's why I feel good about America First Credit Union. They're my financial team, and I trust that they'll always be there for me and my community. I'm Hunter Renfro. Join me and the America First team today. 60 years in the making, the Raiders now have a permanent place to call home, and the doors are open to get a world-class behind-the-scenes tour of their new home. An attraction unlike any other in Las Vegas, Allegiant Stadium. The Las Vegas Raiders invite you to experience the expertly guided tour that includes exclusive access to areas restricted to only football players, coaches, and staff. For more information, visit AllegiantStadium.com forward slash tours. Welcome back to Raiders Roundtable, presented by America First Credit Union. We bring in the great Lincoln Kennedy, our partner here in Lincoln. As you return back from Jacksonville, you looked at the stats, you called the game with Jason Horowitz. What did you see in the second half? Why was there such a drop-off after that explosive first half by the Silver and Black? Well, I will say this, guys. Um, The best way that I can put it is that this is a group of individuals. This is not a team. This is not a team that's learned how to perform together. Now, you can have individual performances. You can have tandem or dual performances, but you cannot have a group or a team performance. That that hasn't happened all season. This team has only had two wins. And even in those two wins, you can't put together. I can't honestly say that it was a team effort. There were individual efforts that stood out that made a difference. But as a team, it's 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 substantially you know negative, and, and it's unfortunate, guys. To be honest with you, at this particular junction in the season, I would have thought this team would have come together. But right now, JTQ, this team doesn't have an identity. In my point, in my in my, in my emphasis. So what does it take? With that being said, what does it take to become a team and come together? And you're going into week ten now. And you know what's cute? What's interesting is I. I don't have an answer for it. Right. Because you would have thought that going away for a week in Florida together would have brought you closer. You would have thought that the the things that this team has been through throughout this season would have brought you closer. To some extent, I think they're closer. I think you have individuals, you have people that are playing hard. You have coaches who are coaching hard. But at the same point, Q, I don't know how you come collectively together as a team. Because honestly, in my opinion, guys, I don't think the 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 I don't think the I well let me let's put it this way I don't think what the coaches have in mind fits the individuals they have in play. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Interesting comments, Lincoln. You know, you played at the highest level. What what happened in Florida is it worked beautifully. It worked beautifully in the first half of the game. So whatever 
anyone wants to speculate, they went together, team bonding, this, that, kumbaya. It worked. They were up 17-0. It was pitch and catch to Devontae. They were explosive. So whatever they prepared, they scripted plays, they were ready to go. It worked perfectly. What I thought the key to that game was and the loss was what happened in the final minute of the second quarter yeah. as they, they scored, they got a field goal, they got the ball, they made the adjustments, and then they scored. The entire game flipped. And you can explain it. You're in the booth all the time when they defer. You win the toss, you defer, because you want to thread the needle perfectly and score at the end of the half and score to start the half. Jacksonville did that, ball game over. Well, JT, even in the first half, the momentum started slipping in the final minutes of the second quarter. You knew that JT, you knew that Jacksonville was going to get the ball back in the second in, in the second half. Mm-hmm. But in the second quarter, you know, as as the the game started to get away, the Raiders had trouble moving the ball. Right. They had, you know, here's the thing. In the in the first drive, when it was it, it seemed like a Devontae Adams, you know, a, a game for glory. Mm-hmm. The fact is there was a lot of effort the, on on Devontae Adams' part to get the ball to get you know get get in places where he could and get extra yards. Same thing with Derek Carr. His accuracy was precise in the first quarter when that in that first drive. That was a Devontae Adams drive. There's no doubt about it. Here's the thing: when we go back a week before, the New Orleans Saints did a did a proverbial effort to take Devontae Adams out of the game, and the Raiders didn't have an answer for it. This time, Jacksonville. Didn't have, didn't really have an answer for Devontae Adams, his effort and the way that the Raiders scripted it. But at the same point, when the when the game, you know, sort of evolved, when they tried to go back to Devontae Adams, it wasn't there. Maybe it was the accuracy of Derek Carr. Maybe it was the inability of, of uh, Devontae Adams. Maybe it was the fact that he was still feeling, you know, sick from the week before because we knew he was he was dealing with an illness. Illness. The Raiders didn't have an answer for it. Here's my thing. When you look at this offense, if you take Josh Jacobs away, you 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 load the box, if you will, make him cut in the backfield when as soon as he gets a football, makes him, you know, it makes him not as as effective as he's been in the past. If you take Devontae Adams away, where do you go with the football? Right. You you make a conscious effort to go to the Hunter Renfro? They tried that. You make a conscious effort to go to Devontae Adams? They tried that. Where do you go? You know, I agree with your point that you guys made earlier in the podcast. This offense is missing Darren Waller. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about it. There is no doubt about it. More importantly, when you go max protection and you only send three people out, if you're not going to look at Mac Hollins, who a couple times running down the field is wide open, there's something wrong with that. You see what I'm saying? Right. It's about adjustments, guys. It's about being effective. It's about being a team. I honestly think when it comes to the offense performance, there are plays that are dialed up for number 17. There are plays that are dialed up for number 13. There are plays dialed up for number 83, who's not obviously out there, and Darren Waller. But there are not plays to adjust to what defenses are going to do to you during game time. And that, to me, is the biggest hamper in this offense. So looking at the defense, flipping it over, and the Raiders have given up 17-point leads three times now this season, and that's just something that can't happen. How much of a role does the defense inability to get to the quarterback play in that? Because, again, another day when you see uh, you see Trevor Lawrence have a, a, a not a career day, but he looked great. Q, this defense is not conducive to the personnel that you have. You've got to have better corners that can cover man-on-man when you try to blitz. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. You cannot give up. Here, here's the thing. I went into the game plan last week 
against Jacksonville Q and JT and said that the Raiders need to win on first. The Raiders defense mm -hmm. needs a win on first down. They need to stop Jacksonville from getting good chunks of yards on first down. They did that. There were several times in the Jacksonville game that it was third and nine, yeah. third and long. And you throw an out route to a, a to a rookie receiver that's wide that's not necessarily open. You either give a you know, a first down off of a pass interference, defensive holding, or you know a coverage uh, a, a move, and and you can't you can't cover that. The the Raiders' defense is not necessarily conducive to the personal personnel they have. Well then, that, then I'm gonna wait, 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 wait. Yeah, I, I gotta go back on that. So these are NFL players, and they have NFL backups at the cornerback position. I can't believe some of the cushions that I'm seeing here. Six, seven, eight-yard cushions. And then when they played the soft zone, these corners let receivers run by them. And you taught me this a long time ago. If you're going to let a receiver go, it's because you're concerned about a screen pass. That would be Kamara, Etienne. They couldn't cover Kamara. Etienne, they did a better job. And I'm just surprised that the corners are letting these receivers release to the quality of safeties who are back there. Merrig is is a young player. He doesn't have a lot of experience. Jonathan Abram bites a lot on pass plays. He's not good in pass coverage. And then you see Deron Harmon, who's very good, and he has a track record here. But, Lincoln, why aren't they playing more bump and run Willie Brown? And they're not Willie Brown. Yeah. Willie Brown in your face. Where is the violence at the line of scrimmage? Where is the first three yards that you're tangled up so hard that you might get a flag because you got your hands all over someone? I never see that here. I'm wondering if he can do that, if Graham doesn't have the players to do it or the scheme says we can't do that. He doesn't have the players to do it. You don't have a single high safety that can cover sideline to sideline. It's that simple. Okay. You don't. If you if you're going to play press coverage, if you're going to play bump and run coverage, with the style of defense they have, you need to have a single high safety that can cover sideline to sideline. They don't have that. You have a sideline. You have a you have a safeties that can cover um, hash mark or you know center field to okay. sideline, right? But not sideline to sideline. Does that make sense, guys? No, it does. It, it makes a lot of sense. And so to me, it feels like Patrick Graham doesn't quite necessarily have the players that he needs to to execute the scheme that he wants to do. So what does he have? What can he do as a defensive coordinator, change things up to maximize what he does have in the players on defense? Well, the, 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 the thought going into this system was the fact that you're going to have Chandler Jones and Max Crosby be able to generate pressure with your front four. That was the thought. Mm -hmm. Now, we know how phenomenal that Max Crosby has been, been playing. Chandler Jones has come along since the beginning of the season when I refuse to pronounce his number, his name, and just called him by a number. There have been other guys that have contributed. The problem now ultimately becomes is with Divine Diablo going down in IR, you don't have a linebacker that can cover the center of the field. So there's a bigger hole. You, you, you put yourself in coverage trouble when you have, you know, uh, Jonathan Abram, and Trey, you know, the Morig mm -hmm. trying to cover the middle of the field. It's it. They're not built to do that, guys. Yeah. It, it's just that simple. You've got to find a creative system. And I don't know how you do it at this particular junction. Right. Because yeah. it's hard for coaches to go out there and coach new plays on both sides of the ball, offensive, defense, coach new systems, coach new ideology. I don't know how you do it from that point. Patrick Graham was brought in here to slow down Kansas City because he did a successful job when he was with the Giants with his two his two safety system. You don't have that ability here. It's it's not present here. You 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 can't do it with the personnel that you have. And so 
you know, going forward, I'm not trying to give Raider Nation no hope <laughs> for the yeah. remainder of yeah, the yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just saying you have to try to figure out a way to be creative and slow down opposing offenses. The thing is, is I went into this season personally, guys, as a broadcaster, as an announcer, as a Raider Nation faithful, I went into this season saying, I'm not relying on the defense. I'm relying on the offense you made that to score point. more points, yes. to score more touchdowns than field goals, and to put the pressure on opposing offenses. I still think the Raiders have the ability to do that, but they need all of their stars on the other side. We need to get Darren Waller back. You, know, you got to find a way to get him back in the system because there are many plays that you even see with Foster Moreau that, that not are, they're, they're not for him. They're for number 83, and he's not present in the system. It hurts the Raiders. All right, Lincoln, as we move on to Indianapolis here, the Raiders' run defense could be stout at times. I think that's very important. Depending on Jonathan Taylor, as we record this, it looks like he's going to give it a go and try to play here. He didn't kill the Raiders last year, as we talked about, so the Raiders know what's going to happen. Before we get to the interim head coach, let's get into the run defense, what you see in the middle of the field. You mentioned no divine Diablo and what the Raiders have to do with their front seven to slow down Indy's run game. Well, I think they've had to some success. The Raiders defense has had some success, success with the way they're playing their defense to slow down uh, opposable running games. Max Crosby has been a beast. Shooting the gaps, Devon Diablo is not, is not present, but D Denzel Perriman has done a good job. Mm -hmm. I think with Blake Martinez, they'll do a good job against the run. I think they can be stout in the box against the run. However, they need to be, um, I, I wouldn't say not so aggressive, but they need to be aware that people are going to take advantage of their aggression and try to use play action in the middle of the field to, to, to exploit them. So with the Indianapolis Colts coming in here, they're not going to rely so heavily on Jonathan Taylor. They're going to try to finish the, the, the season with him. They're going to re rely heavily on the play action and their ability of their tight ends and their short end receivers to get, uh, get open in the middle of the field. Could that play into the Raiders, you know, hand if they try to do that with Sam Ellinger as their their quarterback right now, and he just got sacked nine times by the Patriots? Could it be an idea where Patrick Graham says, "Let's load the box up and make Sam Ellinger beat us"? Q, if there's anything that that Patrick Graham needs to be aware of is that quarterbacks aren't going to hold the ball against the Raiders. They're not going to try to set up long passes against the Raiders. They're going to throw short and intermediate routes against the Raiders because they want to get the ball out of their hands. They know there's going to be openings in the middle, in the short side of the field. They're going to try to get the ball out of their hands. Look, it, it's happened in New Orleans. It happened last week in, in Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. it, it, the quarterbacks are not going to hold on to the football because they know how pertinent the Raiders' rush can be against them. All right, Lincoln, now we get to the biggest story in the NFL, and it's hard to believe with Aaron Rodgers' team in the tank and Tom Brady trying to turn around the Bucs and what's happening around the league. We find out that Jim Ursay fires Frank Reich early in the week and goes with Jeff Saturday. Now, I saw that coming because he wasn't going to keep Frank Reich because the year before, when they lost to Jacksonville, they basically threw Carson Wentz to the Wolves. They blamed him. And then they gave Frank Wright another year, and they basically said, we're going to give you Matt Ryan. And I thought they embarrassed a future Hall of Famer by benching him for the year. That was unacceptable. I don't think Frank Wright would have ever done that. I think the owner was triggered. I think he was off the reservation and said, he went crazy and said, this is what we're going to do. And now he's taking it one step further. Frank Reich gets fired. They go with Jeff Saturday, who was actually shocked when he heard the news. What do you think about this when you saw the breaking news and you talked to friends in the business? It, it, I, I, can't, I can only describe this as a mouth drop moment. Yeah. Uh, are you kidding me? Really? 
you know, I was traveling back and back from Jacksonville yesterday, guys, and I got a bunch of tweets and a bunch of text messages while I was traveling about you should be the next head coach of the Raiders. And, and I didn't understand what it was going until I got home and I saw the headline on Monday Night Football. And I was like, what? I've seen a lot of things in my time. I've played a lot of football, covered a lot of football. I, I, I played the same time Jeff Saturday did have the utmost respect for Jeff as a person. I know him as a center. Great guy. Great guy. Let me emphasize that. <laughs> but you you dropped the mic when you <laughs> tell me he's going to be the head coach of a professional football team, and he's never had any coaching experience. I'm like, mouth drop moment, whatever. it. You know, how can I put this best? Other than saying, I wish the best for Jeff. <laughs> I really do. I, I wish the best. Yeah. I, I feel... I feel, I don't know necessarily know how I feel about the Indianapolis Colts and with, what Ursay did. It's unfair to me to put somebody in a position like that of this magnitude on this level for somebody who's never had that experience before. But I'm hoping the best, best for Jeff Saturday because what? He's a fellow offensive lineman. We, yeah. we stick together, guys. <laughs> regardless, regardless if we play on the same team or not, we stick together. So so he's a center. I'm a tackle. We stick together. I wish the best for Jeff Saturday. You know, and it's funny, kind of following all the beat writers that cover the Colts like a glove, a lot of them were in such shock when that news came out, and they, a few of them were talking about the text messages that they were receiving from players that really couldn't believe that. Lincoln, if you're in that locker room and you find out Jeff Saturday, again, no disrespect to him, has just been announced as the interim head coach when there's coaches that are on the staff that used to be head coaches. I mean, what's that message sent to the locker room? Well, if, if we were in college football, I would be caught talking in the transfer portal right now. I'd be looking at it, like trying to, I'm trying to get away out of it. I don't know if you can call your agent fast enough and say, hey, look, get me the hell out of this team. Um, I, I, that's that, unfortunately, and I hate to say it because it, it's so, I mean, I love Jeff, guys. You, you guys got to understand. I, I, I know Jeff Saturday personally, and he's a great guy, and I just, I can't imagine, first of all, why he would even accept this call. Well, I'll tell you this. Let me jump in for a second with two great African-American partners on this show. I will tell you that I would almost be offended first. There was a loophole in the Rooney rule. Okay. Cause this is an interim coach. He's not a full-time coach. So they didn't have to interview a minority candidate. Reggie Wayne is on that roster, future hall of famer, everything that he has going for him, great player. And he knows the playbook better than Jeff Saturday. This was an example, Lincoln, of an owner, and owners are billionaires now. They used to be millionaires, and now billionaires. And Jim Irsay, who does a lot of great work philanthropy-wise and is big in the community, just said, I want everybody out of here. I want one of my guys in the locker room. I want to know who's showing up on time, who's leaving early, who's going to play hard, and Jeff Saturday is going to be the guy who reports back to the owner and does this. But I think the NFL's got to tighten up this loophole. I don't think you can do this if you're an owner there because there's African-American candidates on that staff and around the league who could take over and do a much better job on experience and reputation alone. Well, Ursay said he wanted a coach that didn't have NFL experience. He wanted somebody who was fresh, who wasn't intimidated by the NFL, who wasn't intimidated by, intimidated by the standards of the NFL. I, I, I get that as an owner. I understand that you want to try something new. But to your point, JT, here's the thing. It's, you, you, you're totally abandoning your locker room. Mm-hmm. Forget one player. Forget, what, 10, 12 coaches, however many you got on your, on your roster that are left. You're, you're, you're totally voiding your locker room. 
And your locker room is what's going to go out there and play. Coaches coach, players play. I don't care who you have at the helm. If you don't have players that can go out there and play, they're going to, they're not going to play. And so you're totally abandoning the rest of your, your locker room and the season in my inner, in my estimation, you know, I don't know what the, what the Colts are going to bring to the table. I don't know how motivated they're going to bring. Look, the Raiders are a disaster in itself. We, we talked about that, mm-hmm. but, but talking about the Colts now, you've got two disastrous teams on the field. Who knows what product you're going to get, but going forward, Going forward with the rest of the season, where is Indianapolis Colts as a collective, as a team? What do you do with them when you make a move like this? Right, and you mentioned the coaches that are on the staff, and and I just kind of wonder what the coaches are thinking as well when they didn't see this move coming either. All of a sudden, they find out Jeff Saturday is the interim head coach, and there's guys on there that you know we know very well. Gus Bradley was a former head coach. Uh, John Fox was a former head coach, and none of those guys get the opportunity. It's a guy that they didn't even realize was really even in the building. I feel like that's they too are crazy. looking for the transfer porter. <laughs> They're looking at transfer porter. You, you guys, I'm telling you, they want the transfer porter on the National Football League now. Next well, NIL deal. But let me tell, let me. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you what I think is going to happen here on Sunday. First off is that Jeff Saturday is going to have this Colts team, if he does anything, he's going to have them peeling the wallpaper off this brand-new visitor's locker room. They are going to come out of that tunnel as fired up as they ever been because he's going to insist on it. For That's sure. all he does. Yeah. He's a motivator. He jumps For around sure. on TV. He's yeah. going to have that locker room jumping up and down, going nuts. The Raiders are going to have to match that intensity. Lincoln, you were there in Jacksonville. They did. Everybody questioned in the Raider Nation, are the Raiders going to show up? What's the energy going to be like in the first half against Jacksonville? It was outstanding. It was one of the best first. It was the best first half of the year for the Raiders. They met the bell. They were ready to go in the first round of that game. They went up 17-0. It was the second half of the game. That's concerning everybody here. So I think that Indy's going to be ready to go. I said this on my radio show on Raider Nation Radio. If he was able to do it, he'd just say, Matt Ryan, I'm instilling you as the starting quarterback out of respect for this game. You're going to call the plays. You're going to be able to call every play because you know the playbook better than anybody here. And we're going to try to win this game in Las Vegas. They're playing with house money now. They fired their coach. They brought in a TV guy, a legendary cult, for some type of spark. Not for the long term. You make great points about the long term. This could derail the organization for the way they handled it. But the one game I care about is the game coming up this Sunday at Allegiant Stadium where I think the Colts are going to be ready to go and they're going to want to beat the Raiders. Raiders got to be ready, Lincoln. Let me share something with you guys. At this particular point, if when I was playing, this particular point in the season, when it was as dismal uh, as it as it is as it appears for the Raiders, um, we were thinking about where we're going to vacation in January. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, Cabo. Yeah, you guys, you guys follow me? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm serious. So you, mm-hmm. you you're thinking about just getting through the 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 the, the rest of the season. I've had some bad seasons in silver and black. The worst season was obviously four and twelve. Um, but it, it, after when you thought all hope was hope was lost, you were thinking about where you're going to vacation in January. Now the Raiders have to play in the middle to, to the middle of January. The times have changed, seasons have changed. Um, it's not a lost cause. I'm not ready to give up hope because I've seen potential out of these guys on both sides of the ball. This last past week, you know, in in the third quarter and coming out in the halftime. They give up a you know a a fifty yard kickoff return, which set the momentum mm-hmm. right for Jacksonville, where they picked up in the second you know in the second quarter, the end of the second quarter. Never really were able to recover after that. Um, I'm not ready to give up hope on this silver and black team, but they need to have a moment of resolve as a complement to a team effort, not individuals, 
a team effort, not duos, not a group, a team effort. All three phases of the football need to play well together to complement one another for four quarters. We right. haven't seen. Yeah. I'm hoping that we see it this weekend. You, we better see it. And I think right. we will. Lincoln, thanks for joining us. We'll see you Sunday. Thanks guys. That's Lincoln Kennedy. When we come back on Raiders Roundtable, we'll take a look at the AFC West and the Raiders' upcoming schedule. When you're a part of a team, there are expectations. And one of the things I expect from my team is trust. I work hard to win, and I trust my team to work hard too. That's why I feel good about America First Credit Union. They're my financial team, and I trust that they'll always be there for me and my community. I'm Hunter Renfro. Join me and the America First team today. Welcome back to Raiders Roundtable, brought to you by America First Credit Union. We thank Lincoln Kennedy again, who always brings it. Let's take a look at what happened this past week. Both the Chiefs and the Chargers should have lost. The Chargers, yeah. the ball's bouncing around at the end of the game. If Atlanta falls on it and holds on it, they win the game. The Chargers get another break. Credit to the Chargers. Their kicking game wins them a game again, which right. didn't happen back in the day, I can tell you that. No, no. You know, it's, it's funny that a lot of times you'll see the Chargers and you see what happens in their game, and, and they'll have the tough breaks, and they'll end up losing that game. Uh, this time they got the fortunate bounces, like you mentioned, right? And then their kicking game comes through in the clutch, and so they win the game. And that kind of seems like what the Chargers season has been. It, is. it hasn't been really clean at all any of their victories uh, even including against the Raiders to start the season off it just seems like they find ways to to walk into wins and sometimes that happens sometimes you walk into wins the Raiders did it a lot last season this year is not happening but the Chargers are finding ways to like I said stumble into victory that's an outstanding point you just made Q because sometimes a game just breaks your way when yeah. you're going to lose it and the Chargers are fighting through injuries right and get to get to five wins we go to Kansas City in the Titans there, Malik Willis clearly couldn't throw the ball. No. Couldn't throw the ball at all in the game. They ran it with Derrick Henry, but Patrick Mahomes had a monster game. One of the great games in the history of the league, if you look at combined passing yards and rushing yards there. So the Chiefs were left for dead. He goes 93 yards, 93 yards right. for not only a touchdown but a two-point conversion. Kansas City gets to overtime and wins the game. Right, and, and you know that when Kansas City gets to overtime, more times than not, they're going to win that game. And Patrick Mahomes is showing why he's still Patrick Mahomes, and he's such a fantastic player. And even when they lost Tyreek Hill, they realized we're still in good hands because we have Patrick Mahomes. He's a guy that doesn't mind, hey, if I got to drop back 68 times, I'll drop back 68 times. If the run game's not there, fine. No doubt about it. But like you said, JT, the Chiefs should have lost that game. If if they had a quarterback in, in the Titans that could actually complete a pass or two, and this is no slight to Malik Willis, he's just not ready. He's not ready. Just not ready. I mean, I think he's going to be a heck of an athlete and, and could potentially be a good quarterback down the line. It's just not right now. And so if they had someone that could do that, the Chiefs lose that game. They just didn't have it. Yeah, the Broncos on the bye week, and the Raiders have them coming up here in a little bit along with Geno Smith and Seattle, who's yeah, playing well. really and well. It's wide open this year. Again, we're going to beat this again. The Raiders should be 4-4 four and four yep. at a minimum. Yep. And 4-4 four and four really would have worked out well, but that's not the case. As yep. Josh McDaniel said, you got to go earn it. There's one other point I want to make about the games that we saw. I have some stats here in front of me. I really think that Derek needs to run the football, and yeah. he has to run the football, period, because – let me give you some numbers from this past week when it came to quarterbacks running. Jalen Hurts, 9 for 23. Justin Fields, 15 for 178. Throw that out. Right. That's a throw-out statistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we saw Mahomes, 6 for 63. Malik Willis, 8 rushes for 40 yards. 
Lamar Jackson, 11 for 82. And then you got Marcus Mariota, 5 for 24. Zach Wilson mm-hmm. of the Jets, a win over Buffalo, five rushes for 24 yards. Right. Josh Allen in the loss, 9 for 86. And Trevor Lawrence in the win against the Raiders, 6 for 53. Derek has to run the ball, not maybe run the ball. Right. I'm not. He didn't show up on the stat sheet, and he had a Hall of Fame first half. I think in the second half of this game that just passed up, if Derek could run for one to two first downs, right. anywhere from six to eleven yards, the Raiders win the game. We're right. talking about adding one more set of downs in these second half games that they've lost. I think it's imperative that they find a way to get Derek to giddy up and start running outside the pocket. Not when he's under chaos. Not a design play every time, Q, but he's got to see an opening quick and not wait for guys to get open and just take off and get a first down. I agree 100%, and we've seen him do it earlier in the season. You know, I know it's not his comfort zone. I know it's not what he wants to do, but it is what he needs to do. You know, again, these rushes, I mean, it doesn't really even matter about the yardage. It's the timing. Absolutely. You know, third down, third and five, if you could pick up that first down, like you said, give your offense another set of downs. That's key, and that was key in, you know, the Broncos game when they won that game at Allegiant Stadium I think he picked up five first downs a couple sneaks and a couple of runs he picked up on third down that was huge he's got to get back to that and there's a time he did it I know you've mentioned it so many times he's a hell of an athlete he's got to go out there and be that guy we're saying it because we know he can do it let's take a look at the next four games coming up here obviously the Colts Sunday Denver on the road winnable game I thought when the schedule came out Seattle was a lock I didn't think Geno Smith would be the player he is right comeback player of the year and then fortunately the Raiders get the Chargers at home which is a payback game, and the Chargers, you know, this is not one of the great Charger teams of all time. So that's what the Raiders have in front of them. But Q, as we've learned on Raiders Roundtable, one at a time. One at a time. I've said it so many times uh, throughout the course of the season. I've said it on Raider Nation Radio 920. There's not a team on the schedule the Raiders can't beat. But the key to it is going out and executing for four quarters, going out there and playing the way that we know that they can do. We see in spurts, we just don't see consistently. If they can find a way to be a consistent team, going back to Lincoln's point about individuals, they're a consistent team. They can win any of those games we just mentioned. They just got to go out there and do it. For Lincoln Kennedy and Q Myers, I'm JT. Thanks for joining us on Raiders Roundtable, brought to you by America First Credit Union.